This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Indeed, the Word of God is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating even between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to discern reflections and thoughts of the heart. Yes, the Word of God is living and effective today in my life and in yours. And that's the very reason why I'm offering this weekly podcast where I reflect upon the liturgical scripture readings for the Sunday Mass. So now, please join me on Faith Moments with Dina Marie as we break open the Word of God together, inviting His Word to change our lives forever. Greetings. This is Dina Marie, host of Faith Moments, a weekly podcast where we proclaim and we ponder our Sunday Mass readings. We have entered into the season of Lent, these 40 days where we come together and go on journey. And in fact, this first Sunday in the season of Lent really takes us into the 40-day wandering in the wilderness of Jesus. And so we'll hear this account, this very familiar account. In fact, three out of the four gospel readings, we hear this account in different ways of Jesus going to into the desert and facing these temptations led by the Spirit. And so as we prepare to hear these readings from Old Testament, from St. Paul, from our Psalms, and of course the gospel, uh, let us begin in prayer. And I just want to welcome those of you who may have joined Faith Moments in the last few weeks. Maybe you're catching this on YouTube or you're catching this on the Hail Mary Media app or on your favorite podcast platform. We encourage you to subscribe to this uh, podcast, Faith Moments, and continue to look for other opportunities to pray and to hear the word of God together on this particular platform. So welcome, continue to pray with us and to join us. And I hope that when you join us, you might have your own Bible, you might have a resource. These just came out for Lent from the Word Among Us. This is for the Lenten season. This So this will be every daily and Sunday reading for the season of Lent done by the Word Among Us. The Magnificat has a wonderful monthly publication as well. There are others out there that you can subscribe to, or many times just go to your Catholic church. I know our church has dozens and dozens of these because they want you to take them home, not to look pretty on your shelf. They want you to open up the Word of God. And sometimes a booklet like this, which is just uh, typically, it's a month, or for this, it's the season of Lent. So it's going to go for these six weeks of Lent. It's less maybe um, daunting than picking up the Bible and thinking, where do I start? Where am I going to start? Start with where the church reads in scripture every day. You know, what is just so comforting to me as a Catholic, to know that the readings that we read each day, each Sunday, each holy day, where I read them in Kelso, Washington, Longview, Washington, at my local church, but all around the globe, in any language, those same scriptures are going to be read 
in the Catholic Church. There's a unification in in proclaiming the word of God that Holy Mother Church has given us. And I say, take advantage of that. Use that. You don't need to make up your own Bible study with what readings to pick out. Follow the liturgical year and you will be getting so much scripture if you follow that every day. Okay, that's my little soapbox for the morning, but it is so important. And I know for me, I came into the Catholic Church as a 30-year-old. I knew nothing about liturgy or following any kind of like liturgical process. And so I needed the missile. I was looking around at people in the pews going, oh, they're standing, they're sitting, they're, they're, they're doing things, they're genuflect. I don't know how to follow this, but these missiles help you. So whether you're a RCIA candidate or a catechumen, praise God, like I was in 1999, whether you've been in the church a little while, maybe you've been in the church your whole life, but you know, you just never paid attention because you just followed what your parents did. And now you're an adult and you've got your kids maybe in the Catholic school and you're wondering, why do we do what we do? Well, use a missile, pay attention, go to some great resources. I'm going to mention one resource. If you just type in to YouTube uh, and you go to, uh, and, and to formed, if you go to formed.org, if your website, if your parish has subscribed to form, Praise God. It is a really great resource. And I have just barely scratched the surface of what they have. But one of the great series that they do have is by a priest. He's a priest and his last name that has the letters M-I-C, Marians of the Immaculate Conception. He's a Marian priest out of Stockbridge, Massachusetts at the Divine Mercy Shrine, Father Chris Alar. And Father Chris Alar is a preacher um, a very unique and passionate preacher. And he's got some amazing teachings that you can find out about the mass. What are we doing at the mass? What's happening at the mass? Every single prayer, scripture, word of God that's unpacked in the mass, he points out to you in some beautiful videos on form. So these are just, I guess my heart is just saying, use the resources that the church has made available. Use authentic resources that are following the magisterium of the church that are leading souls into the heart of Jesus Christ. They're leading souls into confession, leading souls into a right relationship with God and with your neighbor and with your enemy, and to, to lead people properly into our prayer life. And somebody like a Father Chris Alar and the Marians of the Immaculate Conception at the Divine Mercy Shrine in Stockbridge, Massachusetts are doing the right. Thing. They're following the Lord Jesus Christ. So with that, I want to begin with the entrance antiphon that you'll hear may be proclaimed in your church. Now, not all priests will proclaim aloud the entrance antiphon. I wish they did, um, but not all do. So that's why you have these aids. So before you go to mass, as you're preparing for the Sunday readings, you can read this, you can meditate on it. These entrance antiphons typically are based upon scripture. Again, we're not we're not making up our own words here folks. The Catholic Church is totally full of scripture based on the word of God and the tradition of Christ's first apostles. Okay, here's the entrance antiphon for the first Sunday in Lent 2023. When he calls on me, I will answer him. I will deliver him and give him glory 
I will grant him length of days. Let us pray. Grant, Almighty God, through the yearly observances of Holy Lent, that we may grow in understanding of the riches hidden in Christ and by worthy conduct pursue their effects. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. That's our first collect for the first Sunday in Lent. Our first reading comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 2 and chapter 3. The Lord God formed man out of the clay of the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life, and so man became a living being. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east and placed there the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground, the Lord God made various trees grow that were delightful to the look, that were delightful to look out and good for food, with the tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the animals that the Lord God had made. The serpent asked the woman, Did God really tell you not to eat from any of the trees in the garden? The woman answered the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. It is only about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, You shall not eat it or even touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You certainly will not die. No, God knows well that the moment you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God's who know what is good and what is evil. The woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eyes and desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. The Word of the Lord. Our responsorial psalm is Psalm 51. Be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. Have mercy on me, O God, in your goodness. In the greatness of your compassion, wipe out my offense. Thoroughly wash me from my guilt, and of my sin cleanse me. Be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. For I acknowledge my offense, and my sin is before me always. Against you only have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight. Be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. A clean heart create for me, O God, and a steadfast spirit renew within me. Cast me not out from your presence, and your Holy Spirit take not from me. Be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. Give me back the joy of your salvation, and a willing spirit sustain in me. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. 
Be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. Our second reading is a letter to the Romans from Paul. Brothers and sisters, through one man, sin entered the world, and through sin, death, and thus death came to all men, inasmuch as all sinned. For up to the time of the law, sin was in the world, though sin is not accounted when there is no law. But death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who did not sin after the pattern of the trespass of Adam, who is the type of the one who was to come. But the gift is not like the transgression, for if by the transgression of the one, the many died, how much more did the grace of God and the gracious gift of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow for the many. And the gift is not like the result of the one who sinned. For after one sin, there was the judgment that brought condemnation. But the gift, after many transgressions, brought acquittal. For if by the transgression of the one, death came to reign through that one, how much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of justification come to reign in life through the one Jesus Christ? In conclusion, just as through one transgression, condemnation came upon all, so through one righteous act, acquittal and life came to all. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. The word of the Lord. As we enter into the time of hearing the gospel being proclaimed in the ordinary time, we would say an alleluia. Uh, uh, acclamation. But for the gospel during Lent, we don't have that because we're preparing for the coming of Easter. And so we refrain from saying the word Alleluia. And instead we say this, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. And that is proclaimed before the proclamation of the gospel. The acclamation for today's reading is, one does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Our gospel reading for the first Sunday of Lent comes from the book of Matthew. At that time, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. The tempter approached and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become loaves of bread. And he said in reply, It is written, One does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and made him stand on the parapet of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, 
He will command his angels concerning you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil took him up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their magnificence. And he said to him, All these I shall give to you if you will prostrate yourself and worship me. At this, Jesus said to him, Get away, Satan. It is written, The Lord your God shall you worship, and him alone shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Whew, that is a lot of uh, powerful, vivid readings that I just want to mention a couple of things that I've gleaned from some resources here. There's some really good, again, these different booklets that you can get, whether it's the Magnificat, the Word Among Us, uh, they always have some nice reflections about the readings. And so I really want to encourage you as part of your Lenten practice is if you're not used to using a resource like this to get used to it. And hopefully your church provides you one of these. If not, you can order them. Typically local Catholic bookstores will have them, but hopefully you'll find something and even ask your parish priest, or if you have a deacon, hey, deacon, hey, pastor, do we have resources like this? Can we get them? And and typically they'll be able to provide for the parish to get you started on using these resources that provide a lot of extra reflection upon the word of God. So the theme that I was kind of gleaming about, like a phrase, and resist by God's grace. You know, we're hearing a lot about temptation. We're hearing about the uh, initial temptation in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And we're called to resist temptation. And we're going to see, obviously, in this story that they did not resist. They fell into the temptation. But if we resist, how can we resist? We can only resist by God's grace and our dependence upon and our willingness to receive more of God's grace in our lives. And so we need God's grace in order to resist the ongoing temptations. It's not like we're going to be tempted once and all of a sudden, oh, I'll never have a temptation in my life again. No, every day, multiple times in a day, human beings are tempted to fall away from God fall away from grace, turn away from God and goodness and life. And it's interesting in this very first sentence of Genesis that we hear, God formed man. And here we hear, and this takes us back to Ash Wednesday. Um, from dust you will have come and to dust you will return. Words to that effect. God formed us out of the clay of the ground. So we're made out of the earth. But he also blew into the nostrils of man. So we're also made from God's divinity in his breath. So we're made out of the earth and out of God's breath. And we became a living being. So we have that earth, earthness, 
or earthiness or dirt or dust or ash as part of our being. We also have a part of divinity. God's breath is in us from the very beginning of God's creation. So that should give us hope that God breathed into our forefathers' nostrils and we receive that same breath of God in our design, in how we were made by God. And so we see the temptation of the serpent in the, in the, I was going to say in the desert, in the garden. This is completely different than what Jesus is going to encounter in his temptation. But what I think is interesting is that the woman and the man knew God's law, knew, in fact, she even repeats what God has told her to the serpent. Now, it's interesting because I've seen images, you know, you see religious art depicted of many different scriptures. And one of the translations of this word serpent I have heard is Leviathan. And there's this image of like this huge, enormous, ugly creature that comes to tempt Adam and Eve. Uh, we don't know what it looked like. Uh, here it says serpent. We associate this with Satan, the evil one. But can you imagine a Leviathan? I think about in the great story of uh, Prince Caspian, and I think it's actually um, the second story of Caspian, uh, the Dawn Treader. And there are there's this huge serpent that attacks their, the Dawn Treader ship. And it's just this ugly, enormously evil creature that comes from the depths of the sea. And of course, uh, in old tradition, in old, old Testament stories, the depths, the dark, that's where the evil lurks, is in that deep, dark sea. And so this Leviathan, this serpent comes to tempt Adam and Eve, but Eve actually repeats what God has said. You know, we can eat of the fruit, but just not of the fruit in the middle of the garden. She even knows how specifically the law is that God set up for them. And even though she knows the law and apparently she understands, well, this is what God told us to do. And this is how he set it up for us. And yet, because of the cunningness and the persuasiveness and who knows what else of the presence of this serpent, she easily changes her mind. Well, maybe that's not quite the right law. Maybe I can. It does look good. And God even said that it was good. He just told me not to touch it and not to eat of it. But I guess I can make that decision now on my own. And now Eve, through just this cunningness, starts to look at the law a different way. And now she's going to choose evil. She's going to choose to disobey God, even in the presence of her husband. Adam is there. He's not, he's not out in the backwoods somewhere. He's there. He didn't stop his wife from making that decision. Why is that? We don't know. But all of a the sudden, they made a choice that disobeyed the law that God set up for them. 
the law that God set up the de- for them for their own good, for God's divine law. This was the purpose and the plan was how the garden was set. And in God's own timing, maybe they would be able to eat of the fruit down the road, but it wasn't at this time. There was the law set up. And how many times do we know the law? We know, we know there's a stop sign. We know there's a red light. You know, these are very simple laws, but they're laws not just to protect me in the moment that I go through that red light or that stop sign, but they're to protect everyone. That's they're for the common good as well as just for me. I have a very short perspective on just, well, how am I going to benefit from this law? Am I going to benefit from it? Well, I'm certainly, I don't see anybody around me. I guess I can go through this or we can justify violating the law for our own good. But the laws are established by God for the good of all. And so during this time of Lent, I think it's a really important time for us to look at, are there just even in little little things, little things that we do that maybe we know are wrong, but we do them anyway, because we don't see how that might have any effect on me. Maybe this is a good time to look at what do I understand about the way God's laws are set up in my culture, in my family, in my community? And am I disobeying those laws? And and actually choosing to disobey those laws. Laws against life. Laws against the dignity of the human person. Laws against traditional marriage. Laws against humanity and the human person. So it's very interesting to see Adam and Eve choosing to turn away from God's laws, which were made for their good and for the good of all creation, And yet through a cunning, through a persistent, through a persuasive, sweet-talking guy or a horrible Leviathan, Satan himself, they are twisted and they choose to disobey God's law. So this is such an important time for us to reflect on our own actions. I can't change your actions. I can't change my neighbor's actions. I can't change my pastor's actions. I can't change uh, all of the people out there that I may disagree with, but I can start to change my actions. How? Through the grace of God and my willingness to choose to follow God's grace. Psalm 51 is always encouraged to be a Psalm to read, meditate on during the time of Lent. In fact, I remember one uh, pastor, a God rest his soul, um, Father Slider, a very good memory. He, uh, during a Lenten day of reflection and during uh, a penance, you know, he encouraged all of us who came to a particular service to meditate on Psalm 51 as part of your penance. And, and here it is, be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. Recognize you're a sinner. I recognize I'm a sinner, boy, but also turn that over to the Lord. Let the Lord know that you recognize that you're a sinner. Admit of the of the violations that you have made in your life and ask for God to help you. A clean heart we want, 
Create in me, O God, and a steadfast spirit to renew within me. We don't deserve it. We deserve the depths of hell. But because of God's grace and his love, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. This is what we're preparing for, is to receive that grace. If we're so full of ourselves, then at Easter time, we can't receive the grace that he wants to give us. This is why Lent is so much about prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. We're here to empty our vessel and to have it prepared to receive what's going to be given at Easter time. There's so much here to talk about. In the Gospel of Matthew, this gives us a little more of the story. And it says, yes, that Jesus was led by the Spirit. We hear before this account of Jesus's baptism by John the Baptist, and that now there's a preparation for Jesus to go into public ministry. So Jesus has been under the radar. He has been living a quiet, private life. Up until this time, now we hear from God himself at the moment of the baptism, you know, this is my son, listen to him. And John the Baptist knows we're on the right track. Here we go. Something is going to happen, right? The Messiah is here. And then Jesus goes into the desert. What do we know about Jesus? We know that Jesus is so in love and so with his father. And he spends time before he heals, before he turns bread in a little bit of bread into a multitude of bread, before he performs these miracles, he's spending time in prayer, typically up on a mountain, typically for a period of time. Sometimes he takes his disciples with him to pray and to be alone with the father. And so Jesus takes 40 days. I wrote down here, 40 days of fasting. The number 40, you can read so many different accounts in the Old Testament, 40 days, 40 years. It takes 40 weeks for life from conception till birth, right? Of the birth of a child is in about 40 weeks. That's why we have that beautiful ministry, 40 days for life which is going on right now in cities and towns and places all over the world, praying for an end of abortion, praying for the culture of life, praying for humanity to embrace each and every human soul and spirit from the moment of conception to recognize and honor that life at full dignity. But from one state to another, there's a transition and it takes that 40 days. So Jesus is taking a 40 day break. He's taking a retreat for 40 days in the wilderness to spend some really, really deep time with the father. What do you think he was doing for 40 days? I think it's really important for us to stop and think we get caught up in the conversation if you think you're the uh, the son of God and we we have these like, it's almost like a, a Protestant and a Catholic, you know, debating with scripture, who knows the best scriptures, but, but let's go to the core. Jesus is preparing to come out of the privacy that he's been gifted with, part of God's plan. And now he's going to go into public ministry. 
And he needs to prepare as much as he can because he has a humanity, because he has that dirt <laughs> as well as he has the spirit, right? He, the breath of God, he's divinity, he's all divinity, but he also has a human body. He was made and born. He was born from the Virgin Mary. So he has and feels those same temptations, those sufferings. If his skin got pricked, it would bleed. So he knows he needs to go into serious retreat for 40 days and 40 nights. He's fasting. He knows the spiritual benefits of fasting. See, and he was hungry when he came out of that, but he did that for a purpose because he knew that the mission is going to go forward. The mission is going to go forward and he's always praying, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. He prays that way all the way to the cross. And even when he knows he will go on that cross, he will willingly go on that cross as an innocent, as an innocent sacrifice. But he always tells the father, it's not my will. I don't feel like I want to do this. My humanity doesn't want to do this. My humanity is feeling awful. He's feeling hungry, but he knows it's God's will. It's God's plan. I am following the mission. I'm getting fueled by this time in the desert to go about my mission. To what? To fight Satan. Fight Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Get out of here, Satan. See, and Satan is coming in really sneaky because he wants to stop the mission. The most important mission of all time is Jesus. Jesus dying for us to save our sins. We don't deserve it. We're not worth it. We're never going to do enough good things to deserve that. But because God is love, Jesus is going to follow his mission no matter what, no matter what happens in that desert. And so I just want to, um, there's some really good things in this book, Conversation with God. I've mentioned this before, and um, this is volume two, Lent and Eastertide, Francis Fernandez, and their accounts from different scriptures. There's some really good things in here about the temptation of Jesus. And I just want to mention a few because they have helped me to think about looking at this scripture, looking at my life, uh, really looking at how I can embrace God's grace more and more. As we look at the temptations of Jesus, this reminds us that Lent commemorates the 40 days Jesus spent in the desert in preparation for his years of preaching, should be those three years of ministry. And they'll culminate in his crucifixion and then his resurrection from the cross. This is a mystery. We're not going to understand it all. This is a mystery to be pondered. But we can meditate upon it, says St. John Chrysostom, asking our Lord to help us understand the teaching it contains. So, for example, in this temptation of Jesus, it is the first time the devil intervenes in Jesus's life. And he does so openly, right? Satan, Satan is talking to him. Jesus allows this intervention so as to give us an example of humility. 
and to teach us to overcome the temptations that we are going to have to undergo in the course of our lives. If you thought, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm not going to have any temptations, forget that. In fact, you're probably going to have more temptations because you are a Christian and believe in Jesus Christ. As our Lord did everything, as our Lord did everything for our instruction, says St. John's Chrysostom, so he wished to be led out into the wilderness and there to enter into combat with the devil. He did this in order that the baptized should not be troubled if after baptism they suffer still greater temptations as though such were not to be expected. So this is a reminder that we will undergo temptations in our life. There's another quote here that says, he allows temptation and uses it providentially to, pur to purify you, to make you holy, to, to detach you more from the things of earth, to lead you where he is and by the route he wants you to take so as to make you happy, so as to give you maturity, understanding, and effectiveness in your apostolic work with souls, and above all, to make you humble. So temptation is to make us humble. Here's the interesting thought about Jesus being tempted. You know, he is hungry. He has fasted for 40 days. So his, his humanity is hungry. He still has a divinity, right? Jesus not only declines the food which his body requires, but rejects a greater temptation, that of using his divine power to solve a personal problem. Should we be asking God to solve a personal problem? Jesus doesn't. He follows God's will. He does not use his divine power to escape from difficulties or avoid effort. Let us pray that he will teach us to be tough, to love work, to appreciate the human and divine nobility of savoring the consequences of self-giving. There is a physical toil in sacrifice. It's not easy. It's going to hurt. But we sacrifice for the good of the other. And Jesus did the greatest sacrifice in giving his whole life. One more thought that is an encouragement to go to confession, to go to reconciliation during this time. When we recognize the temptations, the sins that come our way, come in our relationships, come within ourselves, how I treat one another, how I treat somebody else, uh, disobedience to God, disobedience to my community. Here's this great thought that says, we struggle against temptation and we can fight temptation by speaking openly about it, recognizing, calling it out, calling out our temptations, our sins. But this advises us to do this to a spiritual director, or I would say to your confessor, 
you know, when we put those sins out there, this is what it says, making it thus known is almost overcoming it. See, we speak and we put those temptations out in the light. Put your temptations, put your sins in the light. Put them in the light of God. Put them in the word of God. Take them to the sacrament of reconciliation. And this says, he who reveals his own temptations to his spiritual director can be certain that God grants the spiritual director the grace needed to direct him well. We can't hide those temptations, those sins. We're embarrassed. We're guilty. We feel a grievance. We don't want to tell anybody. Get it out. We need to get it out. We need to bring this to prayer. We need to bring this to the foot of the cross. We need to bring it to Jesus Christ. You need help? Call our Blessed Mother. Call St. Joseph. Call St. Michael the Archangel. Call your guardian angel. That's the team you want to lead you into that church, to sit in front of that tabernacle and say, be merciful, O Lord, for I have sinned. I have gossiped. I have said your name in vain. I have sinned against my own body and the bodies of others. Talk about your sins and get them out. Be sorry about your sins. Repent of your sins. Return to the Lord and take that to confession. And then when you are absolved, because you are sorry for your sins, name those sins and then choose to do them no more. See, the Lord wants us to sin no more. Recognize our sins. Be merciful, Lord. I am a sinner, but then sin no more. Let's take this time of Lent to recall where the Lord is guiding us into his most holy and purifying light. God bless you. Have a blessed Lent. Talk to you next week. You have been listening to Faith Moments with Dina Marie, reflections upon the liturgical scripture readings for the Sunday Mass. New podcast episodes are released weekly through the generous support of Mater Dei Radio. To learn more about Faith Moments with Dina Marie, visit me online at dinamarie.org. That's dinamarie.org. May you have a blessed week. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.